Welcome to The Public Good, a weekly radio show and podcast brought to you by Partnership for the Public Good. Each week, we discuss important issues affecting the Buffalo Niagara region, from community benefits agreements to the foster care system to arts initiatives. Our guests span from PPG partners, elected officials, community leaders, and more. Our show is produced by Central Smith of WUFO, Power 96.5 FM, and Mix 1080 AM, with production support by me, Anna Blotto, Research Associate at PPG. The episode airs live on WUFO on Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. Hello and welcome to The Public Good. This is Deja James from Partnership for the Public Good, or PPG, which unites over 365 community organizations working to build a better Buffalo. We're delighted to join you every Tuesday morning at 10.30 a.m. on Power 96.5 FM and Mix 1080 a.m. You can also watch full video of every show on our YouTube page. Follow PPG Buffalo or Facebook on Facebook or Instagram for more information on how to access video and the full podcast of our show. And of course, you can always get great information on our website, ppgbuffalo.org. Now to get into why we're here today. Today, we're joined by Stephanie Pete, who is the Director of Workforce Development with Say Yes, and also co-founder and owner of Second Chapter Bookstore to discuss um, racial equity, literacy, youth apprenticeship, just everything under the sun, (laughs) because Miss Stephanie is amazing. And I just I love the work you do in the community. So I'm so happy you're here to join me today. I really appreciate it. Um, So I just want to give you the chance to introduce yourself and the work that you do and just how how you kind of came to this point yeah so thank you so much I really appreciate the invite so um yeah I'm Buffalo born and raised um actually didn't leave thought I would yeah after college like all of my friends didn't have the nerve to but now I'm like really committed to the work and I believe in what we're doing so committed to the region uh, as you said, I'm a nonprofit leader. I've been with Say Yes Buffalo for nine years in December. So it's hard to even like wrap my mind around being in one organization that long. Like, how did I get this old? Um, but here we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. My mom's a retired teacher. Reading has always been super important. So I had the idea of coming up with like a book bar concept and she was all in. So then we launched Second Chapter Bookstore um, January of this year. So, yeah. yeah. I'm all about helping our young people succeed and really um, putting a spotlight on like blackness and like how beautiful and how critical it is to everything that we do. Yeah. And I wanted to bring that up because uh, like uh, like you said, a lot of the books do center around our community. Right. Mm -hmm. And our experiences and a wide range because you have some children centered books Mm -hmm. there. You have some really deep academic type Mm -hmm. books. So what is what is your goal in really trying to reach the community and, you know, literacy and especially in now where we're seeing book bans yeah, and oh, censorship and things of that nature. What what are your goals to combat things like that? So it's really like building community around reading. Even yeah. if you don't read books, you can still come for the discussion. So we have like our signature um, book club experience mm-hmm. where we invite people to buy a ticket. You know, you get your book in the mail. When you come, there's food, mm-hmm. there's cocktails. Sometimes there's a DJ, there's different discussions. And you mm-hmm. can come be a part of it without even reading it. Um, for young people, it's just getting them um, excited around reading and really being able to see themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, in the books, my mom is a retired teacher, and when I was a kid, like all of my baby dolls were black. Mm-hmm. All of the books we uh, she had in the house featured black children, black art, all of that. So I grew up like really being immersed in what it is to be, you know, this beautiful black, black dynamic woman. Seeing it in my mom and how she created that in our household. So it's really, you know, getting people excited around that. Um, and it hasn't. It wasn't necessarily our 
goal initially but we're really seeing a lot of energy around anti-racism like the folks who want to come to events or want to partner really want to focus on you know anti-racist practices um, and really like unraveling the practices that we all know that have sustained white supremacy so Mm -hmm. that I would say aside from children books Mm -hmm. um, anti-racism and history Mm -hmm. that's really what our clientele Mm -hmm. our customers have been asking for so Mm -hmm. it's been really cool to um, really dig deeper into that work both professionally and with the bookstore that's awesome and you mentioned you know like you have the book club you can folks can get the books mailed to their their Mm -hmm. home and things of that nature so how do people sign up just through your website yeah through our website and our social media so um we don't have another one of those planned for a while but we do have some book discussions so september 16th yeah um we're meeting at uh, unapologetic coffee super chill even if you don't read the book you don't even have to buy the book from us just <laughs> if you audible if you want to rent it from the library do you but yeah. we're talking about my seven black fathers my seven black fathers mm. um which is a book from um this uh, activist who talked about all the men who uh you know shaped his life and then on september 30th we're talking um, about oh gosh what's the name of the book uh, a queer black feminist manifesto for our movement no mandate for our movements excuse me yeah. um, and that's a collaboration with um, progressive book club and surge buffalo um, mm-hmm. so again just an opportunity to have a conversation and bring people together and that's also unapologetic so um, yeah so we're always collaborating on on events outside of the ones that we put on for ourselves that's amazing um even just the accessibility i know sometimes one of my biggest complaints was after I left the academic space, I wasn't reading. Like Mm -hmm. I I didn't know what to read. And there's like Oprah's book club or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think having a tailored, especially for here, local type of space where you're coming together to talk about books that maybe you haven't been exposed to since high school or when you were in academia or in the kind of educational setting Mm -hmm. is really, really important. Um, Cause I think a lot of us lose some of that when we go into the workforce or. Oh, absolutely. Life life life. gets busy. Yeah. (laughs) And then some people, you know, they had negative experiences with reading in school. So that's like something they don't even entertain as an adult. We're trying to bring them back to it. Like, like that's okay. You don't want to read the book. Yeah. We still facilitate the discussions in a way that you can still, you know, chime in just yeah. through lived experience. Or the books weren't for them, mm-hmm. right? You were reading like Moby Dick or whatever <laughs> else, you know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like, I don't relate to this. Right, but, absolutely. Um, and I love that you're kind of bringing queer books into, mm-hmm. the, into the mix and other things like that. Because, you know, there's just so many underrepresented intersections yes. within our identity that mm-hmm. you know don't get highlighted sometimes in like the mainstream kind mm-hmm. of culture um so i'm really excited that you're in, including some of those things as well i've been reading some kind of black feminist lesbian literature mm-hmm. folks myself um and it really gives just a whole different perspective right. on some of the issues and they've been talking about some things we're going through now but back in the 60s so oh yeah you just learn a lot and you figure out a lot of things are cyclical and um i'm so happy you said that because yeah. i'm so big on people reading about history yeah. like you can go like so i'm gonna like jump to like my say yes life yeah please. so we work with um i work with employers you know in our modern youth apprenticeship work mm-hmm. we do a lot of racial equity work with our partners mm-hmm. um and one thing i'm really huge on is history yeah. because you can go to all the like dei like 101s and anti-bias and yada yada yeah but if you don't get the history, it's not going to click. Yeah. Because then you're like, oh, crap, look what's happening. Like, this is the exact same thing that was happening 30 years ago, 40 yep. years ago, 50. It's just like they remix it. Yeah. For the time that we're in the bookmans, you know, the attack on education. Like, yeah, we, we've seen this. You already. were repeating stuff. And <laughs> and it's like you see the signs that mm-hmm. now in retrospect, we can see, OK, this led up to some mm-hmm. of the things we had issues with before. And 
people think these are isolated incidents no. or really don't understand. And I think that's one of the biggest tactics of certain um let's say adversarial forces mm -hmm. is to keep us uneducated so that we don't know right. what has happened so that we can do better in the future. Right. Um, and the, the biggest attack really is on our education system mm -hmm. on, which is what we're seeing right now with the bands and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. I want to bring up the youth um, development work that you're doing mm -hmm. because um, we're talking about education and some barriers there, but wondering what other barriers you see for youth development and like barriers to youth employment that we've seen such low youth employment. We have great things like the summer youth program, yeah. but outside of that type of program, which gets very full, very yeah. early yep. on, what are the barriers to youth being employed, especially in Western New York? Um, I would really point to um, just the legacy of segregation and mm -hmm. racism in our community and mm -hmm. how we see that manifested in hiring practices mm -hmm. and workplace culture. Mm -hmm. um, and also, like, young people um, need a lot more support yeah. than we realize. Yeah. Like, hiring an 18-year-old, that's a lot of work because you're not just helping them in the workplace, like, understand the job. Like, they're becoming an adult. Yeah, <laughs> and you're going to be whether you like it or not, you're going to be a mentor. So it is a big lift. Um, so that's something that we're really happy to be in this space with Modern Youth Apprenticeship because we are uh, we have amazing employers who are committing to this process of hiring young people for two to three years while they're in school, taking classwork associated with their role. Okay. Um, and really um, helping them enter the workforce early because some kids can't go to college full time. Right. That's just the reality. Right. When we look at, uh, you know, the de demographics of our community, when we look at what COVID has done, some folks still have not recovered yeah. financially um, from COVID. Um, so it's a really cool opportunity for employers to come to the table and like advanced manufacturing, business ops and IT to build a young talent pipeline and help young people support themselves, their families and like develop as young professionals. And then we're there the whole step, the whole process where they're providing wraparound supports. So this is really targeted towards college aged so, youth. so, yeah, we are working with kids coming directly out of high school. So we recruit them their senior year. They start um, once they graduate and they're working part time and taking some related coursework part time with some of our partners. And so how do how do parents who are listening or even if there are some youth listening that are mm -hmm. like, oh, wait, I can get a job. Yeah. How do they how do they plug in there? So they can go to our website. It's listed on, on our website under um, the post-secondary supports. It's CareerWise Greater Buffalo. Um, and yeah, so we're uh, currently uh, recruiting employers for our third cohort. Um, we've had we just wrapped up our second. Um, and again, we're focused on advanced manufacturing, IT and business operations and looking to expand beyond that. But really, uh, you know, so win win like our kids get access to jobs. We have some young people who are already working full time and I mean, making enough money to support their household, wow. which is like. It's like heartbreaking that they're that young with that much responsibility, but also yeah. beautiful that they can. Yeah. You know, they had this opportunity. Um, so, yeah, it's really great work. Everybody wins. Our kids get these careers. Employers get access to a really young talent pipeline, which we know across sectors is a huge thing. And then our community gets young people who have great jobs, yeah. you know, can contribute, yeah. spend locally. No, it's empowerment. Yeah, it absolutely. really is. It's, it's community empowerment. Not just like you said, for the youth, right. but if they're able to provide for that family unit, mm -hmm. then it changes their whole family's life, mm -hmm. not even just their life, which is so, so important. Um, 
I'm wondering with the employers that you work with, kind of what what is the work you're you're doing in priming them mm-hmm. to work with these communities, right? Because there is type a kind of bridge gap you have to to Absolutely. create there. So what yeah. what kind of work are you doing on that end? So we have this framework that we have from Career Watch USA on modern youth apprenticeships. Um so we're part of their network. So we have this framework and we're trying to figure out how to how it fits locally. So mm-hmm. employers are coming to the table to help us figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um so we are I mean, apprenticeship is still not as accepted in the U.S. as it is in other countries. Um, locally, still not a huge thing. So we're working on that, on just the education piece around what makes up an apprenticeship. But it's really around like the wraparound supports and getting um, and helping with that gray area. We have like employers who have maybe done their own equity work, mm-hmm. um, some more than others. Um, coming to the table, working with a, de- a demographic of young people that, m- that might not be represented in their workplace right now. Mm-hmm. Um so we're providing like racial equity work um, with our employer partners. They go through a series of trainings with us before they even meet our kids, before they begin hiring. We have ongoing opportunities. Um, all of our employer partners go through the racial equity impact analysis training through the Community Foundation every year, which is fantastic. Um, and they're like really committed to figuring out how to best support young people of color in the yeah. workplace. Um, and we don't pretend to have like, you know, the magic bullet to figure yeah. it all out. But like our team is, from, we're primarily from the district, graduated from BPS, still live in the community. So we are uniquely positioned to, you know, help employers figure out the puzzle pieces right. to really being able to attract young people and keep them in the workplace. Right. And that's what I'm wondering, especially coming from the community what type of supports are the youth needing then and going into jobs? I mean, maybe their parents have never worked this type of job before. They don't really have an example of maybe even professionalism Mm -hmm. or nine to five type of setting or something like that. So what kind of supports are you giving the youth when they're getting So it's double-sided. So you brought up professionalism. We're working with employers to understand like what professional professionalism really is Mm -hmm. and what it's coded as. Yes. And like we need a brand new (laughs) version of what professionalism is. Absolutely. So let's like dissect some of these, you know, biased practices that we've had and like come together to reimagine what it looks like to recruit young people yeah and on the young folks side it is priming them like you know you might you might be one of the only or the only in your workplace like here are some tools to navigate that they have a success coach throughout the entire journey they can like tap into if there's something going on um but yeah our kids are needing help with unfortunately housing we already know what the crisis is it's impacting our kids too um uh child care transportation you know the standard in this community that you know we're trying to figure out for a program as our for our program and also for you know the broader community Mm -hmm. as well yeah no i think that's amazing that you're thinking of all of these intricate pieces Mm -hmm. and you're not just trying to place kids into the current system right but also trying to do that systems change right in hand in hand um which i think is great because i think a lot of people set are people up to fail when mm-hmm. you just place them into environments that aren't built for them? Right? Absolutely. Um, so I think I just think that's so powerful. I love that you're doing that. Um, and I know you're really, really passionate about yeah. it as well. Yeah. And one example of that. Um, so I'll give credit to um, our colleague, SAS Johanna, our first year, we were interviewing for apprenticeships uh, we, and we had a an idea of doing one interview day so that kids aren't kind of like cherry picked through the process. You know, everybody gets interviewed on one day and we were worried like, okay, interview clothes like we're just coming out of covid we already know mm-hmm. you might have gained weight can't fit it or you can't. <laughs> something's going we, on we know that yeah. yeah or maybe you just don't have the money we're like okay how are we going to figure out interview clothes in such a short time for these kids and she came up with the concept like hey let's assume that they're coming dressed in the best way 
Yeah. This is what this is. They're putting their best foot forward and let's judge them based on what they're saying, what they say they want to do, you know, what they've done in school. And our employers were so phenomenal about that. They even came casual to make, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like by being more inclusive for the kids, they kind of like freed it up for the employers as well. So it's like a constant. How can we be more inclusive? How can we break down um, these rigid standards of professionalism that have harmed yeah. not just our kids but a lot of people you and it's know, as simple it, it as, harms everyone <laughs> it's as simple as just also come with some jeans on too yes, like you yes. don't have to have this rigid no. only <laughs> jeans once a month on a Friday right. type of situation because that's true I mean if you're worried about housing costs food feeding your family you cannot go to mm-hmm. wherever and get all these new dress right. clothes or anything like that. And I know there's Dress for Success and a mm-hmm. lot of other wonderful organizations trying to help with some things like that. Um, but like you said, there there are some practices that are unnecessary that yeah. we're keeping in workplace settings. Um, and I know even for myself that I've attempted to find workplaces that are a little bit more liberated in that sense as well, um, just for my own comfortability right. or for me to wear my hair the way I need Absolutely. to wear my hair when I go to work, right? Right. Um, and and that can be a difficult thing to navigate. I have a young person that I mentor um, and she's training to be a doctor. She's pre-med. Mm. And, you know, all those standards are still very, very much in place. Or even I had a friend who went to law school and they had to come to class, address a certain way or their professor literally would kick them out. Wow. And it's even in terms of this is just in school that they're not letting them have the access to mm-hmm. what they're paying for. Absolutely. To come to class just because maybe she's wearing a sweatshirt that day. Right. Um, so it's just I, I hope people listening who are maybe in the employer space or in yeah. that other side really understand how you're practices can create barriers that you think aren't a big deal um but that really really limit um certain communities from even accessing like an entry point yeah i Um, think it's really important for people as a black woman i think it's really important to like if you have like the social capital to spend to kind of like push back and show up how you want to like do it yeah because one it like it begins to like retrain people's minds on what professionalism is. Yeah. Right. And then two, like there's always somebody else watching you. Like you're freeing that next person to be like, okay, I can come wearing my nose ring. Cause yeah. she still has her nose ring. in. I was not taking it out because of my role. I was like, no, I like it. I'm going to keep it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think, you know, the more we push back and I totally get like, you know, there are certain fields where yeah. you, you got to survive. I of totally course. get that. But the more of the more people who push back, um, we'll see, change slowly but surely slowly but definitely in some fields versus others but i i love that what you said and like if you have the social capital to to spend it right because like i said i've worked very very hard in some spaces where it probably wasn't towards my best benefit to do it but Mm -hmm. i knew that whoever was going to come behind me even though i knew that was my time to go Mm -hmm. it would matter if i just stayed quiet or if i said something because a lot of the times the excuse is well this other person or these other people go along with it and it's uh-huh. fine. Uh, I've been um, there. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, if none of us say anything, right. it'll just stay the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to do that is is wonderful. And being able to see, I see my sister over there with her hair braided too, or mm-hmm. I see the locks or I do see the nose ring mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, that really is encouraging. And I always admired, especially black women who were in, certain professional spaces that looked a certain way that I could relate to um, 
because a lot of the time, unless it was our own media, you didn't see no. that. Um, and so I, I did. I went into the workforce very self-conscious, um, mm-hmm. even in internships, because you had to do all these internships in college uh-huh. to try and make sure you could get a, get a job after college. <laughs> And my mom's telling me how I should dress. We would right. go to the mall, get all these new clothes. And I'm just like, I'm uncomfortable. Right. You know, you, that's not your person. Like, you're not able to express your personality and, like, no. your values. And that sucks to be stifled. No. Because how do you give your best self at work when yeah. you don't feel like your best self yeah. walking in? Yeah. And it really exposes you to, because you're, you're really just then living kind of a double personality type yep. of situation. Mm-hmm. Um. And I don't know, all of that dressing and disguising didn't help any of the microaggressions no. to me anyway. No, nope, no. Nope. So <laughs> I'm not really sure to whose benefit or comfortability that really is. Well, I think I do know, yeah. but we will leave that on the table where it is. Um, I do want to go circle back to the bookstore thing mm-hmm. because I think it could just be so inspiring to talk about how you're working with your mom. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that's so powerful, I, especially in our community, because yeah. family can really be a strength you know, a point of strength for us sometimes, mm-hmm. but some, for some people in our community, it really is a point of weakness mm-hmm. because of systemic things that have broken up our families yeah. or cause other issues within our community. And so I think it's so powerful just the sheer fact that you're able to do something like this with your mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just am wondering how you feel about that, how you kind of have this relationship with your mom. If you always had this relationship with your mom and, and how you guys came to this this point. Yeah. So it's really cool because it's like it, what one second will be mother, daughter, next second, like we're, we're like, hold up, like as your business partner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, wait a minute, I'm your mother. Yeah. So, so it's like really fun. But it's like we yeah. complement each other's uh strength. Um yeah. so she she credits me a lot for being like more of the face of the business, but like it would not exist if it wasn't for her because she was the one like behind the scenes. Yeah. We gotta file this, we gotta do this, we gotta meet with this person, yeah. like setting everything up. Like yeah. that's really her 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 skill set. Right. Uh, she handles like all the operations, the finances. Um, she's phenomenal, like keeping me organized. Um, so it's been a really great experience to go through this with her. Um, the older I have grown, the closer I've gotten with my mom. So to be at this space where like. We talk every day, all day between like life and just the business and being able to like go on this journey with her. Like even the name is second chapter because it's her second career. You know, she retired and was like, we're going to start that bookstore you talked about. Come over on Monday. That's literally how it started. (laughs) I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I came over on Monday and she was like moving at the speed of light to make this happen because she really believed in what it could be. And I'm so glad for her because I was like, oh, it's a good idea, but mm, I don't know. I'm busy. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But she was really like the energy behind us getting started. No, that's amazing. Because sometimes you do. You need that kind of kick in the butt mm-hmm. and support. I think that's the biggest yes. thing. Like, I know so many people like us have these great ideas yeah. for our community, but we need support and resources to really Absolutely. push them and make them happen. So I also hope by being on here and as you do more events that you do get more support and mm-hmm. partnerships and all of those things, because this is just such important work that you're doing. The other thing I want to ask is, because of all these book bans, because we know maybe the public and society isn't going to support us in and keeping our stories alive, how important is it and how do we keep sharing our own narrative, mm-hmm. right? And like retelling our own history so yeah. that we make sure 
we don't forget where we come right. from, right? Yeah, I think you just find your community. So when we yeah. started this, um, and I know there are people who will never support what we're doing because of how we're approaching it, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people who have just come, people we've never met in our lives, who are like, I, I love what you're doing. You know, here's a resource, or I can do this, or can I order books for this organization has been phenomenal. So yeah. I'm a true believer in, like, if it's something that, like, really, like, God is, like, really put on your heart to do, and, like, you really, like, for me, this was like an idea that was in my head constantly before it started. Like I was always thinking about it. Yeah. If you actually go into it with your most authentic self, yeah. Um, like you will find the people who will help you propel it forward because wow. that's all this has been. It's been literally person after person, organization after organization has come forward. Like, I love what this is. Like, how can we support you? Yeah. Yeah. So I just, you know, stay true to what you actually envisioned. Um. So this is really an extension of, like I said, me and my mom. This is like how I was raised. Yeah. Um. So it's coming from like a really deep personal place. No, I love that. And that leads directly into kind of the last question I really want to ask you. And what is the legacy you really want to leave with Second Chapter? Um. And, you know, what are your visions for the future? I love yeah. manifestation. Yeah. So what kind of what are you seeing and visioning for the future? So the idea is for us to get a physical location so we can actually be kind of like a book bar. So like during the day, you can come have some coffee, tea, you yeah. can work out of there if you want to. um and then in the evenings you can come with your friends have a glass of you know have some wine unwind we can have our events there and it'd be something that we pass on to like my nephews so that they're able to be business owners and have more options than what i did i'm always striving to give them more options than i had yeah my mom gave me a ton but i just feel like that's always like our job especially as black women like okay yeah this is what i had let me double that for you love that what are we setting up for the future right um i think you're so right black women are always forward thinkers Mm -hmm. i think just by we have to be absolutely we We have have no choice we have no choice (laughs) we always have to be in plan and our you know and our community just needs it Mm -hmm. um especially in times like now and i hope this this is really a healing space too that can bring us together Mm -hmm. i know there's a couple different local owned bookstores but i don't know if they necessarily are geared towards our community in Mm -hmm. the way that yours is so i'm so excited for you i can't wait until you have your ribbon cutting whatever (laughs) we're gonna be there um um, so thank you so much for joining oh, the show. You. I really, really appreciate it. I hope everybody gets involved in some of the events you have coming up um, and get their youth involved in yeah. trying to get this apprenticeship placement. I, I want to ask real lastly, mm-hmm. um, how many kind of placements do you have? What time period of the year can yeah. people apply? Sure. So our application on period will open up in January for our young people. Okay. We're recruiting employers now. So if there's any employers who are interested um, and possibly partnering and offering um, apprenticeships where we're recruiting right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so the uh, ne- the next application cycle opens in January, goes to the spring, and then the next um, cohort will start um, next summer. Wonderful. But yeah, happy to talk to anybody about either side of that work we love it so please connect with stephanie on multiple different fronts she's very knowledgeable and has the resources and the plug if you'd like to say for you to help your community and for you the youth um thank you so much once again for being here this is deja james with partnership for the public good or ppg uniting over 365 organizations working to build a better buffalo it's the public good tuesdays at 10 30 a.m on power 96.5 fm and mix 1080 a.m. Yeah.